0: 30 Days to Become Your Own Best Book Publicist. Find out about this course I'm teaching, nudge me at or and jump on my email list. Welcome, Persisters and Brothers. This week's podcast is sponsored by Book Marketing on the Skinny. Book Marketing on the Skinny gives you 30 days, basically, of lessons to help you become your own best book publicist. If you're interested, find me at lameredith.com and get on the waitlist. if the course isn't currently opened. It will run again in June of 2021, and then there will be the wait list forever. I was so ecstatic to meet Jojo Marie. Anytime I find out someone's had a chronic ailment and how they got through it, I find that to be fascinating, but her story is one of Certainly trauma, which informed some body pains when she was young, that only got worse with time, and her lessons about how to think about her ailment was really what helped her find the path toward healing. So grateful that Jojo Marie is here today to speak with us. This week, I am so excited to have Jojo Marie an author, and really someone who has dealt with chronic, crippling illness and lived to tell the tale and to make beautiful sense out of it in the form of a book and some really important life work, some some takeaways to share with you today. So it isn't often that I talk to people who've spent so much time in bed who aren't lazy people. She is a very motivated, amazing person who has gone through some things, and I want to start out with that story of what happens when you feel completely vulnerable and hopeless and helpless, and how Jojo Marie made a difference and came out the other end victorious. Thank you for being here, Jojo. I am really thrilled that you are here. Please tell us about that time. You had life, some things went wrong, and
1: then Wow. Well, thanks for uh, inviting me to be on Perseverance U. It's my honor. Um, So my story, and and I've said this to you before, my Coles Notes version of the War and Peace story, um, uh, I wrote a book called My Missing Peace, and it is really the story of my life. It's my personal memoir. And this memoir goes back to when I was three years old, my earliest memory of when my father was killed in a trucking accident. And from that point on, I lived in debilitating, crippling, um, life-altering fear. And I carried that fear through my entire childhood. In in the the book, I go into detail, but I I talk about, you know, how it impacted me as a child, both psychologically and physically, how it affected my life, my day-to-day life. Uh, I then go into teen years, young adult years, I get married, Um, I suffer a a really quite a a serious impact to my jaw through a bicycle accident. And even though it was, I guess, a minor bicycle accident, there was tremendous impact to my teeth, my jaws, root canals, all, all kinds of things. From that point on, my health changed even more. So I started suffering headaches, dizziness, uh, lethargy fatigue unwellness anxiety as we go into you know and I recount my 20s I was in you know my marriage you know um, a nice gentleman we had the best of intentions but we were both emotionally unavailable so it was an extremely stressful marriage an extremely stressful existence for many reasons I then talk about giving birth to my son and how that layered the stress, right? Because a new mom, of course, we never feel like we're good enough. We're doing everything wrong. My headaches were getting far more intense. The fatigue was getting far more debilitating. The dizziness was getting um, far more frequent. So then I talk about, you know, some minor concussions that I had, minor concussions. This was not major. This was just minor concussions. But since I had gotten them, things became worse. Again, the symptoms got worse. And my life was getting much more difficult to manage. And my world was getting smaller. So traveling was absolutely out of the question. Um, I had to be the passenger when I drove. Um, I couldn't work at one point because it, I couldn't function outside the house. When I became 40, let me think here, 45, um, it was in 2012. I've just dated my age. But anyway, <laughs> 2012, I was 45. And uh, I woke one day, um, not able to move. My my world had gotten smaller and smaller. The, um, the symptoms had gone from dizziness to violent vertigo. It had gone from headaches to 24 hours, seven day a week, debilitating migraines. Um, The fatigue was so bad, I couldn't stand most days. So on this particular day, May 26, 2012, I had already been I would call bedridden in the sense that I wasn't working. I was barely functioning. I was sleeping on the, the middle floor. I was using a bucket at my bedside as the bathroom because quite often I couldn't get to the bathroom. I couldn't walk. All this time, the doctors were saying, you're stressed. You have anxiety. Your hormones, you know, you're perimenopausal. Uh, you have an inner ear virus. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. There's something wrong with my brain. And nobody was listening to me. So on May 26, 2012, I woke up and I literally couldn't move. So when people hear that I was bedridden, they think, oh, you were weak, you couldn't stand up, you were tired, you you couldn't function. No, I could not get out of the bed because if I tried to move my body in any minuscule amount, it's like my brain was fighting back, violent illness. Um, and if I tried to, even with assistance, I was like a rag doll. My, my body just, there was something very wrong. I was finally diagnosed um, by a PhD vestibular specialist at our, our University of Toronto Faculty of Neuroscience uh, with a one third vestibular deficit. I'm not sure if you know what a vestibular system is, Lizbeth. Right. Um, it is it's Talent. a colloquial system in the in the inner ear, way deep inside the brain. And it basically tells your brain where you are in space and time. So as you move your pinky, your arm, you you go to stand, your vestibular system is recalibrating all the time. Information's coming in through your eyes, through all your senses, and it's recalibrating balance and, and spatial sense. So Now it made sense to me why I couldn't stand, why I couldn't walk, why I couldn't multitask. I can remember standing with a broom uh, before I was bedridden and thinking, how do I hold the broom, sweep the floor, and move my body at the same time? Because it seemed too much for me. I couldn't understand it. If there was a fly in the room, I couldn't stand it because the fly... My, my eyes were taking in so much information as my eyes were moving, that vestibular system couldn't register the information to balance my brain. So uh, I ended up being literally bedridden for over four years, um, more than 1,460 days, while I rehabilitated my vestibular system. It required me to be in darkness. Uh, no sound, no computer, no phone, uh, no radio, no nothing, no TV. So in that time that I was in that bed, that bed became my hatchery. I was faced with every fear that I had ever remotely thought of. My marriage of 23 years dissolved during that time, and he left. Um, my hour, uh, 14-year-old son, 15-year-old son, sorry, at the time, Uh, we were left to, you know, figure this out. And I needed to rehabilitate, I needed to raise my son. But I had this, this constant feeling my entire life that I had to hold on for dear life, because something bad was going to happen. And that was kind of the mantra from the time I was that three year old little girl, all the way to this 45 year old woman, who in essence, really was functioning as a little girl at that point. Um, And there was so much despair, there was so much loss, there was, there was, there was a sense of how do I take the next breath? And I wanted to die. So one day, um, a caregiver had left some Tylenol at the side of the bed. And everyone was asleep, everyone, my son and the caregiver were asleep upstairs. And I looked at it. And I thought, you know what, the pain is too much. I can't do this anymore. It's taking years just to learn how to sit up again, um, and at the same time trying to raise my son, trying to figure out how I'm going to, you know, put food on the table. And and um, as I was going to put the pills in my mouth, there was a moonbeam, a headlight—I don't know what it was—that came from a light. Um, in the far room, and it hit my inspiration wall. My inspiration wall was the wall right in front of the bed that I looked at 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it had all kinds of different sayings and memes and and pictures. And one of the pictures of, was of my son. And the moonbeam hit his face, and I thought, that's the message I needed to see. And I threw the bottle of Tylenol as far as I could, and I thought, okay, I'm in this. I'm in this. I don't know how I'm going to do it, though. Um, the despair was so bad, and, and I felt like I was clawing my way to, to hold on to something reminiscent, something from my past that made sense, because right now nothing made sense. It was like being tied to a tree and watching your entire world burn to the ground. So the wall that was beside my bed, I literally clawed down to the drywall screws. The blood was all over my hands. I had ripped my arms apart, trying to hold on. But at that point, I realized really all I could do was let go, and that was the pivot. Wow. That was the pivotal change in my life. Just that releasing, correct? Would you call? How would you call that? I would call it. Um, it sounds so cliche, but I would call it surrendering to being vulnerable. Okay. Right, because I couldn't be vulnerable. I had to have armor on, and I had to fight this, and I had to do this from the time I was three. This was the name of the game. You armor up, you suit up, you show up, and you conquer and overcome. But what I realized is it wasn't working. I was fighting every day. I was resisting the natural flow of life. And this is where the universe had brought me, and I I had to embrace where I was, And I I embraced, um, I was gifted five words from a dear friend, and I've I've transformed them, and I now call them my five pillars of transformation. And I do talk about them in the book. They're trust, acceptance, gratitude, commitment, and in the end, sweet liberation. And it was in that moment where I thought, I cannot cannot, um, keep fighting. What I'm doing is not working. And sadly, it never has. So either I go left and do what I've always done and get what I've always gotten, or I go right into the unknown and trust. I don't hope. Hope's a bad word in my vocabulary. I trust that there is something for me to learn here and that this is preparing me for something because when i when i looked at the pillar of gratitude i kept thinking well five things you you have to be grateful for right that's what they tell us to do wake up be grateful think of five things i'm alive i'm breathing i have friends i have my son you know it wasn't working every day i was doing the exercise it wasn't working so i had to really think maybe it's about being grateful for the storm maybe it's about being grateful for the obstacle and the struggle and it was in that moment that I realized and and I claimed that this was not going to be for naught. This was going to be propelling me forward to something better to share and to change my life and people's life. And that was really the the, the critical point when I surrendered and I was vulnerable and I embraced it. That is so
0: wonderful. A great retelling about that process to that pivotal moment when you realize the fighting wasn't working. And so that is, that's beautiful. I'm interested in, I will definitely want to put those pillars up on show notes sure. because I think they're worth looking at. And so then how did you get to the place where you felt like, okay, I, I'm starting to, I feel normal again, or or I feel better than ever again. Or
1: when did that happen in you this mean, process? Mean, Was it little by little? You mean today when I woke up? <laughs> No, no. You know what? It was, it was, you know, I, people say to me, you know, they'll look at me now and they'll say, Jojo, I want to, I want to feel the way you feel. I want, I want to be living your life right now. And I always say to people, no, you don't, you don't know what I'm going through still because self-discovery, authentication, our journey of learning doesn't end until we take that last breath. So I haven't arrived anywhere, I'm just journeying journeying through, and I have to say that I am living my best life thus far, Um, but I'd say that it was really in the bed, in that moment when I decided to surrender, that things changed, and they changed in a nanosecond, because what happens is is the energy changes within you, the energy then changes around you, your circumstances change, change, um, people around you change. It's really in that moment. That's when things change. Absolutely. And I like that you had already been practicing
0: gratitude, but now you realized being grateful for the obstacle itself was very important in this process. Instead of separating them out or using sort of gratitude as a diversion from what you're going through. Well, this is bad, but at least there is this, 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 and this. You're like, no, 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 no. Part of what I'm going to be grateful for is this hardship, this journey, this challenge, and I'm going to make it so that it we, I pay it forward. Also,
1: absolutely. So that's terrific. Absolutely, and I, I think I think with gratitude, it's it, the way I, I teach when I when I do life coaching or when I do motivational speaking. You know, gratitude on any level is a wonderful thing. It's always being grateful for all the wonderful things that are, are happening around us, um, and to us and, and within us. But to me, that's not where the magic happens. The magic happens when you can be in the eye of the storm and position yourself in a place of grace and realize and, and trust and have faith that things are happening for you and not to you. And it's about reformulating your hurdle into a gateway and knowing there's a blessing on the other side. Even if you can't see it in the moment, trust me, it always presents itself.
0: I just think that's beautiful. That is really a beautiful takeaway. When did you know that you wanted to share this in the form of a book? Because that's its own journey, its own crisis to get all of that yeah all of the important things in so that other people can benefit from and connect with your experience.
1: You know what, when I was in the bed, um, people told me the entire time I was in the bed that I had to, I had to do something with this. Um, And it was, it was at that point of, vulnerable reflection that I that I said okay this this is for a higher purpose whatever I am enduring right now it is to propel me forward and then when people kept saying I have to write a book I thought I can't write a book I don't know how to write a book I failed grade 12 English Lizbeth (laughs) I failed (laughs) I had to to repeat so I'm thinking who am I gonna write this book and then I started thinking well, maybe that's part of how I'm going to to share the wisdom and knowledge that I've learned. So I took a deep breath and I thought, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to write the book, I'm either all in or I'm not. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to, you know, put my toe in and take it out. I am going to go full out vulnerable. I am going to tell every not so pretty little portion of my life um, in hopes of getting people to relate and realize they're not alone. Um, And, and it was in that vulnerability, like when I let go and and said, okay, I'm I'm doing this and I am going to go full in. That's when it all just kind of came beautifully to me. And, and writing was, Writing was very cathartic, but I I started well after I had begun walking. I had begun walking with a walker in 2015. I was more or less out of the bed by 2016. I began writing in 2018.
0: Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's terrific. You know, that you gave yourself some time, but you had plenty of time to think about it. So it was already written, it sounds like, in your head. You knew the things that, that needed to be shared, but it is its own challenge to get it into the book format. I love your cover and I know that people are listening. This is not a video podcast at this time, but I will put the picture of your book in this show notes. It's, it's wonderful. Tell me about your cover because it's a, a, a beautiful heart shape on, it's a very dramatic heart shape on a,
1: Yeah, the cover. So, um, I actually designed this cover when I was in the bed before I could sit or hold a pen very well. Um, You know, when I was in that bed, you have to remember it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 1,460 days without distraction, right? I can't, I'm not going to the grocery store, I'm not fixing dinner, I'm not going out with friends, I'm laying there with all my thoughts. So, yes, this book was was being written in my mind for quite some time and the whole time that I was in that bed and my entire life I yearned for peace I just said I just want a morsel of peace in my life because I never I never felt peaceful I never felt like my life had any sense of peace to it I didn't have peace within me and I felt like a part of me was missing all the time so um, my my book is called My Missing Piece, P.E.A.C.E. Um, my inner piece. But my book cover is uh, of a heart that's full of puzzle pieces, and there's one piece actually out, but it's not necessarily missing. It's just kind of floating in the bottom there. Um, and the the puzzle pieces are, and, and I explain this in the book. The puzzle pieces really, what I learned is that every person, every experience in our life. Um, really make up our puzzle as our life as a whole. And it, what made up my soul, my 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 spirit, my character, myself, and this missing piece, both P-I-E-C-E and P-E-A-C-E, um, that I was searching for was actually always there. Um, I, I did the work and I found it. And uh, yeah, that's the story behind it. That is just lovely. Well,
0: really, I I like that. And I want people to see the book cover so pretty. So great job on doing that. Now, where can listeners reach you and find out more about your books, your practice, all of that? Give us us the website and so they'll know how to reach out to you. So for
1: more information and inspiration, they can go to my website, simplyjojomarie.com. I am a motivational speaker out of Toronto, Canada. I, um, I do uh, personal events. Um, quite often what happens is people will pick up the book for their book clubs, and uh, I'll be a, a guest, and we have a, a nice chat around some tea and a Zoom and talk about my missing piece and, and how they relate to it. Uh, so yeah, you can also order the book at, on the website as well. I blog on there. I also do um, a monthly article for a magazine in Canada called Condo Nest Living. I do their mindful wellness article each month. So you can find me here and there.
0: (laughs) Oh, I adore that. Thank you. Thank you very much. I just think people are going to be inspired. I think sometimes there's a lot of shame that people feel about chronic illness or going through a period of time where they don't feel, quote unquote, productive. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember that sometimes through those dark, dark times comes the greatest gift that we bring the world afterward. And I think that your story can really connect people with that. And it's been so great to meet you. And I really appreciate your time today. So let's keep in touch. And thank you for being here at Persistence U today.
1: Thank you so much. It's my honor and blessing. Thanks, Elizabeth
0: I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe. And I'll see you next week.
1: Proud member of the Podnooga Network.